All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of All Bump No Run. We are uh, we're going to call ourselves a, a golf podcast, I think. Uh, my name is Dalton Barry. I'm going to be one of your co-hosts here, and we'll introduce my my counterpart here in just a second. Um, but like I said, we're a golf podcast. We're going to talk to you a little bit about you know PJ Tour, world of golf, golf history, college golf, amateur golf, drunk golf, sober golf. It's all the golf that you can stand is what we're going to talk to you about. Even mini golf. Mini golf. Uh, stay tuned for the mini golf invitational coming date TBD because I just thought about a mini golf invitational right now on this podcast. So it could be coming your way. Um, but just so you don't think that you're listening to a golf podcast hosted by a, a couple of scrubs for a little bit of validation and just to make myself better because I like to hear myself say it is uh, we are both uh, low single digit handicaps. Um, with a little bit of history around some amateur golf and some college golf. So I'll throw it over to uh, my boy Ross here and kind of let him give a little introduction about himself and his history, and then we'll bring it back to me. Thanks, Dalton. Uh, my name's Ross, like Dalton introduced me. Uh, I am a washed-up Division three athlete. Um, I originally played Division two baseball and realized that wasn't for me. Um, transferred to Division three school. Um, after our coach was fired, I decided to make a change and walked onto the golf team, played two years um, at Avery University in Virginia. Um, I carry a three and some change handicap um, per gen. Um, sometimes I don't think my game matches my handicap, but we'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, so played uh, played some college golf, now play, you know, a few little events here in our little area um, we're from the triad bunch of two-man stuff yeah a bunch of two-man stuff with uh my co-host here dalton and um that's kind of a little bit about me um i've got um you know i'm a journeyman i've have a lot of things i try to work on my golf swing obviously not ever having lessons um kind of been up to youtube and myself and some friends to what would you have done if you had to learn to play golf in the non-youtube era that would have been hard as hell that would have been really really hard really hard that could be a, we could do a whole show on that actually yeah at some point um but i'm going to toss it back to my my co-host here dalton and let him tell a little bit about his self so as ross mentioned he is a washed up division three athlete uh, i'm not even going to call myself an athlete i'm just a golfer you can say it's a sport. I think it's a sport. I think all of us think it's a sport. But anyway, um, I played golf uh, for a couple of years collegiately. Um, played for Avery University for about a year and a half. Uh, played for Surrey Community College for a semester where we actually ended up going to a national championship in Indiana. Um, we went undefeated on the regular season and never lost the tournament, thanks in part to the hard-hitting Chandler White, um, which we will cover at a later date. But anyway, um Gave it up after a couple of years and decided to chase the amateur circuits a little bit. Played in, um, you know, a handful of amateur tour tournaments. Um, qualified for the North Carolina Amateur Match Play at one point. Um, in my younger days, uh, have aspirations now to try to qualify for, you know, the North Carolina Mid Am and, and some stuff like that moving forward. Um, I've probably played a little more amateur golf than uh, than Ross has. He kind of actually made an impressive transition from. He was just kind of a casual golfer uh, that was a 
mainly focused on baseball to then he just dove hardcore into golf. And I was always kind of uh, kind of around it growing up and beating it around, doing a lot of gambling and uh, you know playing some junior tournaments and stuff. So I had an earlier start into the game. Um, so, you know, for Ross's game to, pro- to have progressed as much as it has in, in a short amount of time since he got serious about it, it's uh, really impressive. So, um, like I said, that was all just for a little bit of validation. So you don't think that you got a couple of idiots that can't break 90 talking to you about uh, this game. So we are golf nerds for lack of a, a better term. We love it. We talk about clubs, the PGA tour, local golf courses around the area. Um, hell, we even throw a little philosophy from time to time and, you know, the mentality surrounding the game and a lot of cool stuff like that. So if you're not into that stuff, uh, you know, go listen to a different podcast. Yeah, this is this is. I, I hate to say that it's that this podcast is going to be technical, but it's 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 just how my mind works. I'm in the financial world, and that's how my brain works. I try to think about how part A can help part B to help part C to produce a better part D, and a lot of that's the golf swing and um, just something that is complicating but fascinating to me and Dalton shares that fascination and is a tinkerer like myself um like I mentioned earlier um and I would say even similar to you Dalton while your dad does own a golf course um I've never received a professional golf lesson in my life yeah and I know that you have had some instruction but it has been limited i was also 13 years old and didn't retain any amount of information on the golf course or in the classroom for that matter uh, completely <laughs> completely understandable um but so i'm i've tried a lot of different things um dalton can tell you there'll be some times during the week i'll call him it's 11 o'clock we are both lucky enough to work from home so we can't have these conversations. Yes. And I hope my new employer is not listening to this podcast because they would probably be very disheartened. <laughs> <laughs> and I can call him at 1045 and say, hey, um, I was working on some spreadsheets this morning and I came to this thought. And most of the time the common response is, what in the world made you think about that? So that's something that we're going to kind of get into a little bit uh, on in this podcast. And hopefully maybe a thought that one of us have can help one of you with something or, you know, uh, or maybe make your, your golf game more complicated. I, I, I don't know. It could go either way. You may learn something and you may quit the game altogether after listening to us talk. Because uh, where Ross said that he's got a very analytical mind, uh, you know, coming from the finance world. I come from the uh, the talent acquisition and recruitment world, which means I had no plan coming out of college. And, uh, you know, re- all recruiters are a bunch of people that didn't know what they wanted to do with their life. And so they end up consulting with other people about what to do with their life. So I have a very scatterbrained approach to the game, um, but it's kind of like an organized mess. I, uh, you might not be able to find it right away, but I know where all the pieces are. It's just a matter of kind of finding them and uh, and I let Ross do all the analyzing and figuring out where to put the pieces. I've got all the pieces. We just got to figure out where to put them. Um, so, like I said, if you don't enjoy golf talks at a little bit deeper level than just, you know, just very surface level conversation, then, you know, this this may not be the pod for you. But if you do, we've got some really cool stuff in store for you. So let's, uh, let's kind of kick it into 
see what we got going on on the PGA Tour this week. We have the uh, Bermuda Championship at Port Royal Golf Course coming up. Um, uh, a hefty $6.5 million purse for the field. Um, also, shout out Hideki Matsuyama, uh, the man sticking his head through the trophy at the Zozo last week on his home turf in Japan. So, Such a cool trophy, by the way. Really cool trophy. Um, I've never won a trophy that cool. Well, I think it would be, it'd be a trophy that when it's on your shelf, it sticks out. Yeah. That's not your generic trophy. I bet you what Hideki Matsuyama has not done in his golf career that I have. I bet he has never signed a top flight tour XL, XL distance, tour distance XL. I bet you he's never signed one with his name and the date on it, which I found out today that I'd completely forgotten about that at some point in my career in 2012, I signed an autograph on the top flight XL tour. Um, I think both myself and the gentleman that requested the autograph had heavily overestimated my potential at the time. So commonly happens in your early teenage years. Yeah. Come at that Hideki. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like you said, uh, this week got the Bermuda championship, Port Royal. Um, I would say an interesting field. I'd say the weakest field that I've seen on a PGA tour event in a really long time, but yeah. I don't, and I don't know all the details about this. So if somebody wants to Google it, go ahead. But, I don't know if it has something to do with like uh, travel restrictions or, or vaccination going to Bermuda with it being kind of like an island country or, or nation, something like that. It does seem heavily American. Yeah. So I'm not really sure. I thought I read a headline that had something to do with it. So either way, we got a weak, weak field going on. But we do have a, it's a really interesting mix of names, man. Like we've got. Some 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 guys that had it early that had it earlier in their career and now they're kind of in the back end. Yeah, and I mean, then we got some recent major champions that we haven't heard from in you know a few weeks uh, that are in the field. So let's kind of go through and, and tell you kind of I don't know anything about the golf course. We'll kind of tell you our takes on uh, who we got here and who are some interesting names and, and who we think's actually got a chance to make something happen and get going. Yeah. So first thing we'd like to say is. Um, we are big golf watchers as much as we are players. Um, and um, our goal is to make this a weekly show. And we would love to cover what's going on in the PGA Tour each week and give yep. you a couple guys that maybe we think could make a little noise. Um, I don't know about all of you. Uh, I'm a DraftKings guy. Um, I'd like to put a line out line up out there and it's not a ton of skin, but it's a little something, a responsible wager, a responsible wager. That's, that's right. Um, and so I'm just going to give you, we're going to, um, I think we're both going to pick, uh, two or three guys that we think, um, provide some value, maybe some guys that not a lot of people are thinking are the favorites maybe. And, um, I'm going to let Dalton give, um, kind of his, his favorite and then we'll do a dark course. Yeah. Let me see that mouse real quick. Let me drive for a second so I can scroll through the tournament list here. So before we make our picks, just a couple of names that are in this field that if you weren't planning on watching the tournament this week, may be a very good reason to watch the tournament because it's going to kind of throw you back uh, to your childhood days from you know, 10 or 12 years ago with names like Camillo Vajegas, uh, the infamous Tommy Two Gloves Ganey from – the Big Break, a show that used to be on Golf Channel. Uh, so if you, if you never caught that, then get on YouTube and find some reruns. It's uh, it's quality TV. Um, and then, I mean, even down here, I mean, we've got – God, where's the other guy? Uh, Brian Gay, um, kind of old school guy. 
And I think I saw uh, Stadler's on the tournament as well. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there, there's his name right there. Um, but, I mean, you got Fabian Gomez. Um, some guys that kind of, I don't want to say dominated, but they were in contention and, like, their names were all over the leaderboards and all over the headlines, probably mid-2010s and like 10s or so, like Sean O'Hare, Peter Uline, uh, uh, Johnson Wagner, that dude that had the nastiest mustache in PGA Tour history and was just on the top of the front page of every leaderboard for months on end. Got some major champions in the field as well. Got Patrick Reed um, uh, kind of making – how do you think he felt about not getting picked for the Ryder Cup? Do you think that – because, I mean, that guy is the pariah of the PGA Tour. and He's the scapegoat. He just – I don't know, man. He doesn't get picked. And then Steve Stricker puts out some, some tweets about how hard of a decision it was. And then he just immediately starts, you know, liking, commenting all these tweets and stuff coming from Twitter, just absolutely bashing Steve Stricker. Um, so how do you think he felt about all that? Um, I think I think Patrick was was upset, um, understandably. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, if, you, if you're someone that is taking the points approach, he technically had accrued the amount of points that – if you went strictly off points, he would have been in. But I think he also has to understand that I commend him for coming back and playing in the tour championship after yep. being ill. Um, but poor showing, but commend him for being there. But yeah, I just think that it just wasn't the smart the smart play for Stricker, and I think Stricker did a very good job. And I think the U.S. team blended well. Whether that had to do with Reed being on the team, off the team, or not. It very much seemed like America was kind of ushering in a new wave of Ryder Cup and team golf uh, potential. I would agree with that. I think that the the future is bright. And I think that, you know, I can't think of the golf course off the top of my head, but um, the next European golf course is very much. It's in Paris, right? uh, No, it's in Italy. Oh, and okay, the last one was in Paris. Correct. Okay, yes. And this is a very much a bomb and gouge place, which – continues to void good for the U.S. unless they grow the rough out big. Yeah, Bryson needs to stock up on some creatine. Yeah, so um, another uh, – Graham McDowell's actually in this field as well. So, you know, that's – and I actually think Graham McDowell won this tournament last year. I'm almost positive. Yeah, he seems to be that guy that will just kind of sneak up on you every now and then and, you know, throw a, a win or a top two or three out there. But – so I think we originally with this segment wanted to get into some picks, which we did not do. Um, so I'm going to throw a couple of – I'm going to throw two picks on a dark horse out there that I think are have been kind of rounding into form and, and, uh, and showing some good stuff here lately. Number one is going to be Matt Fitzpatrick coming off of, uh, I don't want to say a, a big win, but, I mean, you know, any win is a big win, I guess. Um, so he's recently coming off of a win in Europe. Um, and then we've got, I think my second pick is going to be Nick Watney. Nick Watney, um, he's been pretty much unheard of for the past, I don't know, five, six years. I don't know when his last tour win came, but I mean, it was a, it was a hot minute ago. Um, but scroll back up to the top there for me. And what tournament was it a couple weeks ago that he was in contention? Um, it's, it's not important at this point, but anyway, uh, Nick Watney, he seemingly had found some form in the past few weeks and was coming up near the top of, uh, I think it was Shriners that he was near the top. Um, Probably was. Yeah. So I think he's rounding into form and, uh, and got some good stuff going. So 
I think that you're uh, – I would expect to see good things out of him and, and Matt Fitzpatrick. And then, you know, my dark horse, man, I got to go with Tommy Two Gloves Ganey. It's time. It's been it's been too long. Well, it's safe to say that that is, in fact, a dark horse. Yeah. We don't know what that guy's been doing for the past, like, 10 years. No idea. I saw him play live one time in uh, at the Wyndham Championship, and watching a professional golfer – with two gloves on is as preposterous as you think that it would be even probably more so in person than it is watching him on, uh, on TV or videos on the internet, but he can fill it up as good as anybody out there. And when he had his short game working, it was working. So weak field relatively unheard of for the past few years. Could be a good week for Ganey. It's very possible. Yeah. That's my hot, hot take of the week. Uh, so I'm going to give you the same thing Dalton gave you. I'm going to give you two favorites that I think are good. And then, um, someone that I think is a dark horse, um, dude, I'm really high on. And just to be honest, big fan because he's left-handed like yours truly here. Yeah. I forgot to mention we've got somebody that plays from the wrong side of the ball. On the is, uh, Hank Labota, a huge Hank Labota guy. It's a nice to see a left-handed guy on tour. Um, you know, ACC player of the year at Florida state was doing, you know, just a really good player, lit it up on the Corn Ferry, um, and has played pretty stellar since getting on the PGA Tour. Has not been trending great in twenty in, in this season so far, but he had three top tens last year as a rookie, and uh, other he's been banged up a little bit, but has he's got Crohn's disease. Did not know that about Hank. So to kind of, you know, talk off, you know, what's made his professional run that more impressive is he started battling Crohn's disease. I think they were saying like his uh, senior year of high school. And so the dude had to get on like a really strict diet and be really disciplined with his training and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, just a lot of tenacity. So I think that's probably a good pick. Yeah. And I think my, my second pick and, and he's another, and you know, another young gun, um, is Grayson Sig. So a lot of people don't know much about think, Grayson Sig. I think Sig. he was paired with Phil at Torrey in the U.S. Open for a round. Yes, he was. Um, to say that that guy kind of embodies um, what I enjoy watching about golf would be a understatement. Uh, just – it was, he was really impressive in when I got to watch him golf swing, doesn't get out of out of kilter, doesn't swing out of his shoes, um, you know, just really good game from the south. Um, had only one top ten last year, but is, you know, perfect on cuts for 2022 so far. So I like him is because he's going to be a low budget option, especially in your DraftKings lineup. Yeah, he's that guy that he's not going to light it up and shoot sixty two or three, but he's going to just be pounding it steady somewhere around you know mid to high sixties, low seventies, and he's going to. I think you're going to see a lot more of him over the course of the twenty twenty two season. Um, I think yeah. he's going to be a name to look out for. Yeah, he's definitely my dark horse for this for this event, and I would say my other favorite to go along with Labota is going to be um, Adam Hadwin. Hadwin's got the potential. I mean, he's one of the – he's part of the 59 club. I mean, the dude's got fireworks in him, and he's been kind of – I don't want to say unheard of, but, I mean, he's been kind of quiet lately. So, you just – that's a guy that you can't keep down very long, and he's coming off the top ten. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, top ten last week at the Shriners. Um, you know, not that I'm saying the golf courses are very comparable, um, but I think he's kind of rounding into some form. And he's a guy that can make a lot of birdies. Yeah, he can fill it up in a heartbeat. And it's going to take a lot of birdies to win Bermuda. Yeah, because I mean, even though it's going to be a windy course, I mean, it's just going to be one of those places where I kind of equate it. And I'll be honest, I didn't watch much of it last year, but um, every time I watch the tournament, it kind of reminds me of Kapalua. Where it just seems impossible for somebody to shoot low there with all the windy conditions and kind of exposed rolling hills and stuff, but gotcha. somebody always takes it deep. No, I understand that. I understand um, that the wind is definitely the protection. Yeah, and that's why I kind of vouch for like Matt Fitzpatrick. I mean, European guy, hundred percent good wind player. I think it was probably gonna. I, I would think it would have to play into the conversation a little bit. Yeah, I would think. So that's kind of some, you know, two favorites and um, a kind of a dark horse pick that me and Dalton have kind of come to uh, looking at the field in Bermuda. Um, talking a little bit, go down a little bit of a level, um, you know, the Eastlake Cup. So being a couple of North Carolina natives, a uh, big shout out to the, uh, the women's Duke team. They are going to be moving on to play uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, for the the championship match, um, and then you've also got a a battle of the the OU. You're going to have uh, Oklahoma playing Oklahoma Sooners um, for the next match. So I might have misspoken and, and said that Duke was in the championship match, but from what I gathered today, um, they took down um, I think it was Old Miss. Yeah, they. They took down Ole Miss today. Um, it was three and a half to one and a half or four to one, something like that. Um, Oklahoma took out uh, Pepperdine, reigning national champions. I actually watched a little bit of that at the end of the day today. And that you want to talk about some wind, Hal? And I know it was real windy around here, um, but they were they were playing in a uh, some pretty substantial wind down in Georgia. So, uh, like I said, Oklahoma State took down Arizona State. Uh, Oklahoma took down Pepperdine. So, if you uh, if you don't watch a lot of college golf, or maybe you've never watched a lot of college golf, um, right now in the down season on the PGA Tour, where you got some you know less than star-studded lineups, um, it's can't miss TV. Yeah, they're not gonna have this, they're not gonna have the shot tracers. They're not gonna have the big sponsors. They're not gonna have the uh, the announcers and the coverage like you're probably accustomed to um but these kids are putting on a show i mean all the men's teams i mean they're just taking big rips at it and i mean they're playing like grown men and doing big things making a lot of birdies well you can see it a lot more now than before you're seeing a lot more young guys play good on tour initially coming out i mean yeah. just to talk i mean just talk about a few uh morikawa hovland wolf i mean three guys that and while wolves fell off a little bit lately I mean, you're talking about – You can still see the potential there. 100%. You're talking about some dudes that are top 50 players in the world and they're all under 24. Yeah, 24, 25, 26 in that age range. And, I mean, the, the competition in college golf now – I mean, we play Division three golf. And I think that a misconception a lot of people have is that if you're not playing Division one, then you're not playing the top of – you know, the top tier. Um, there were guys that were playing Division three that absolutely should have been – uh, could have been playing Division One golf that were incredible players. What you really see differently between the big SEC and ACC schools versus you know USA South with Averett, Methodist, and, and Oglethorpe is your number one guys are going to be as good 
as anybody else in the country. Your bottom tier guys are going to be – you're going to see a little bit more dispersion between your first place finisher and then who was dragging up the rear. But um, really good time to get into some college golf this fall and, and check it out. It's match play. Match play always brings some electricity and some fireworks. And so if you got nothing going on and you don't want to watch uh, the Bermuda Championship, tune in and uh, check out the East Lake Cup. It's always uh, always really good TV. Hot take, there should be more than match play on the PGA Tour. 100% agree. I think that old man golf and old man uh, media and, and everybody would probably disagree, but um, the game is is transitioning into more of a – I don't want to say in your face, but, I mean, the, I, first off, the game's never been in a better spot with youth and, you know, uh, everything that the first tee is doing, everything that – um, the PGA Junior Leagues are doing. I mean, there's never been more youth involvement in the game than right now. Um, country clubs are throwing specials out there left and right. You know, hey, if you're under a certain age, please come join. Please start playing. So, and a lot of the people that are getting into golf now because it's a little more accessible are, you know, former athletes and, and uh, you know, big fans of other sports. And so kind of that one-on-one I'm playing you mentality um, it's kind of seeping into the game, in my opinion. And it's more relatable for people coming from other sports, I yeah, think. Yeah, because you go out, you tee it up with your buddies in the afternoon. It's like, hey, man, you want to play for five-a-side yeah. match play? And, and then you just you go out there and get after it. And so it's more relatable. Like, your average guy has never teed it up in a field of 100 people and had to try to make a cut and you know, and, and to know what it's like to be in the heat of it and having to pace yourself and, and you know, when to make your move and you know, just trying to kind of maintain. So definitely more relatable. I agree with your point 100%. Um, so, yeah, I think that – I think Stableford would be something that would be – Stableford's fun. I mean, I think it's a it's a, it's something that you can play with a lot of different skill levels, which is – I mean, just to be honest, I mean, most friend groups aren't – everybody in the friend group isn't scratch. No. I mean, there's some varying skill level most time in guys' groups, and that's a game good, that – Good way to level the playing field. It's a great way to level the playing field. Yeah, especially if you do it uh, net. Yeah, get, work some handicaps in there. Yeah. But so we're uh, rounding up on the closing time here for the first episode. I think. Yeah. So uh, me, uh, like we said, we're trying to do a weekly podcast. I mean, we're hoping that we can get some regularity to it. Um, we've not decided on a certain day that we're going to record, and I, me and Dalton have been talking about it. We think we're still going to have plenty of information to go through the winter, and we know we're kind of starting this in a weird time of the year. Um, um, but we're hoping to talk to you about some of our local golf here in the foothills of North Carolina because um, North Carolina is known for, you know, Pinehurst and Sandhills golf. But there's a lot of good mountain golf here and a lot of good value. So we're just going to kind of go over that. Um, um, I'm going to get some – we're hoping to get some college guys on here maybe. and Some coaches, some high-level amateur players. Yeah, so. from, from the area. A lot so. of stuff we're really excited about in the coming weeks. And, um, you yeah. know, kind of picked an interesting interesting time like you said to try to get this project going through the winter but um you know maybe we'll get this thing figured out and, and know what we're doing by the time uh, all the majors and the, the main schedule swing comes in swing and uh have a lot of really good content coming you guys away for sure for sure um would like to shout out a buddy of mine uh tyler featheroff um works at meridian financial in northern virginia um, he actually donated the microphone that we're using to record this podcast. So I'd like to give a big shout out to him for making this possible and helping us bring the best audio quality to y'all as possible. So thanks, 
Tyler and quite uh, literally made it all possible. He yes, he did. That's yeah. never a truer statement said. So uh, that's all we have for you tonight, guys, and hope that y'all tune in again next week to listen to the all bump. No run. Please repair your divots and thank your local superintendents. Talk to you next week. See ya. <laughs>